This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So again, I'm continuing something that has been started earlier this month, and that is the birth and life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I did get started a little bit last week, and we got, a, a, got in a little bit on you know, the events surrounding his birth and what led up to it, but we had to lay a foundation first. Because you know, today, nowadays, a lot of Christians have followed their traditions and changed what Christmas or the, the real meaning of what Christ came is to be. They've changed it. They forgot it's about the birth in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, sh- we should never let these things of this season replace what Christ is to us. And like I said before, it's okay that you put up your trees. It's okay that you put up your lights and your decorations. It's okay that you give your gifts. But remember the greatest gift. Remember the gift that, that keeps on giving truly. It's Christ. That's what it's all about. We have to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Christ came so that we could be redeemed. That's what we celebrate Christmas for. He came so that we could be redeemed. So we went to Micah chapter 5, and we were just establishing a, you know, a, just a foundation on who Christ was. Because you know, a lot of people celebrate the birth of Jesus, but a lot of people don't celebrate who Christ is. So we had to, we had to come to an agreement with everybody that Christ was not born. Jesus was born. But the Christ, like I said in Micah, we went to Micah chapter 5 verse 2, his goings were from everlasting. He always was. He's the eternal son of God and was purposed to do what he came to do long before we came. Long before Jesus was born, the Christ was. So, we said, what is the birth of Jesus? We said the birth of Jesus is the incarnation of Christ. It's God, the eternal son, putting on flesh to become a man for the sole purpose of redeeming us. Mankind. And a lot, like I said, a lot of people believe that Jesus was born, but do you have the faith that Christ came? A lot of people will say, and to this day, oh, Jesus was here, he was a prophet, but do you believe he was the Christ? Uh, they did the same thing in the biblical times. The, pro- the Pharisees and the scribes, they all said the same thing. He's Jesus, he may be a prophet, but he's not the Christ. Even though the signs were all around him, they denied who he was. So, we wanted to set a foundation to determine who and what is Christ? So we get the celebration of his birth and the life, or the birth of Jesus Christ and, and his life, correct. So we went to Revelation chapter 22 and we saw that Christ is the water of life that flows from the, from the throne of God and from the Lamb of God. And the issue is that people worship what they know not. We went to John chapter 4 and we saw that. They worship what they know not, but that river that flows from the Lamb and from the throne of God, it, it stepped down and put on flesh to save you. Now, if that, if that doesn't speak to you, see, he humbled himself. He put on flesh. He became mankind to save you. From the bosom of God. He, he, he said, God, why have, y'all forsake, why, why have you forsaken me? It's because he was, he was out of the bosom of God and he put on sin. God, listen, God has wrath for sin. He put on sin for us so we didn't have to take that wrath. That's what our Lord and Savior came to do. So who and what is Christ? And we gave some definitions to Christ. We said Christ means anointed. The anointed one. That means the anointing belongs to him and him alone. Can nobody dish out anointing or I can give you some of my anointing? It doesn't work like that. Christ is the anointed one 
alone. He is God and God alone. And we said that the Greek translation of that word is Messiah. That's why you hear it say Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. That's the Greek translation of the word. The word. He, Christ is the one that was consecrated to Jehovah God, our covenant keeping God, his plan. His redemptive plan as Messiah, priest, and king of his people. So again, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And so we went through some of these Old Testament prophecies that we saw that, that, that gave us the, uh, the prophetic coming of the Messiah. We call them Messianic prophecies. And we were still just laying the foundation. And we'll review some of them. Again, this review is going to be quick because we have some places we have to go. I told you we're actually going to get to the birth today, and we will. And hopefully we'll be able to get to some of his life today. Um, that's the plan. So we saw in Second Samuel that they called him the son of David. And they say that all throughout the scriptures too. But we saw this, this prophecy in Second Samuel. They called him the son of David. And David was promised that one of his offspring would rule forever by God. And you just heard it. God, listen, when he makes a promise, it's done. It's done. There's no going back on what he said. It's done. I said it before. God is not an Indian giver. He doesn't say something and take it back. When God gives a promise, it's done. It's a messianic title. He's to be king. We also saw in Isaiah chapter 11, he's the rod out of the stem of Jesse. So who was Jesse? That was David's father. That was just undergirding his promise that he will be the son of David. He will be king. Then we also saw in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Jesus is the seed of Mary, who is of the lineage of David. See, these prophecies all go together. He is the seed of the woman who is the lineage of David, of Mary. And she's the woman referenced in this prophecy. Christ was to be brought with us without the aid of a man, purposefully. Because it's showing you God's power. It's nothing that man could do to save mankind. This is all God's work. This is all God's plan. And then it said, God, will, it said, God said, there will be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed, and the seed of the serpent. Now, let me tell you what that is, right? To this day, we are still in the garden. We're still in the garden right now, and you have a choice. The tree of life, the tree of righteousness, or are you going to follow the ways of the world? We're still in the garden. But the enmity between us is that we're, we're fighting against this, the principalities and the darkness of this world daily. But you've got to choose the tree of life. You have to choose Christ, the Messiah, the Son of David. And then we went to another prophecy. Again, I'm just going to do a quick review because we spent some time on these. But I want to actually go to, go to this one. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. And there's a reason I'm going to this one again. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 9. This is a prophecy of our Messiah, the King. And it says, verse, I'm going to start at verse 6 and 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I said last time I wasn't going to touch Everlasting Father, right? I'm still not going to. But, let me tell you this, and this is just, this is just a little bit for you. This, this goes with Everlasting Father. Jesus Christ is the pattern for every man. That's what you need to know. He's the pattern for every man. And if you want to know what, that, what that's really about, Make sure you start coming to family life. Because I'm going to get on that in family life. I, I said I wasn't going to touch it because I didn't have time. That's why I didn't touch it last week. Come to family life and you'll find out who the everlasting father is. Because it is Jesus the Christ. Come to family life. That being said, if you've missed any of the family life, 
you know, go back and listen to it on the on the podcast. Get your go to uh, they stream it on the social media and stuff. But there's nothing like coming to get that word. There's nothing like coming here. If you have an opportunity to get up and come here, take take advantage of that opportunity. So if you want to know about Everlasting Father, I should see you in family life from here going forward. I'm not going to tell you when I'm getting on it. It's coming. But you've got to be here. Okay. And then it says, the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now this means as king and ruler, there's no blocking government that could block what he says. No blocking, no cabinets, no democracy, no impeachment that can happen. You know, the proceedings that are going now, that can't happen to Jesus Christ. He is the eternal king. What he says, go. What he decrees and declares is done. Uh, like I said, he's the anointed one, which is why you can't decree and declare anything. He's the anointed one. He doesn't share. The, he's the anointed one. And then so we said he's the king. So as every king has a kingdom. And every king wants to increase the size of their kingdom. Now you think of the kings of today, right? They want to increase the size of their kingdom. They do it by force. But that's not the gospel of peace. See, that's why he's the king of kings, right? How does he do it? He does it by peace. He offers peace. He is the gospel of peace. And what is the gospel of peace? We, we determined this last time. Here it is for you. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the gospel of peace. And why is repentance the gospel of peace? Because you'll say, oh, we know I've repented for my sins and I've accepted Christ. Yeah, but you've got to maintain that heart of repentance. That's a good place to be. To know that everything that you've done is the wrong way, that's a good place to be. Because people start feeling themselves and think they can do it in of themselves, but the Bible clearly says you need to cease from your own works. Clearly says that. An attitude of repentance reminds your flesh that it's God's way or the highway. Uh, that highway is to hell. That's a song, right? Highway to hell. Yeah, God's way or the highway. He's trying to save you from his wrath. Because remember... Look, God's wrath is just. I want you to understand that. His wrath, all it is, is his love and action against sin. So if you walk justly, then you don't have to worry about his wrath. His wrath is just. So, again, like I said, he started in the house, and this is, from, this is still review. He started in his house of Israel, because like I said, every king wants to expand his kingdom, but he's gone beyond the hearts of those in Israel. As you can see in this room, is anybody in this room from Israel? He's gone beyond the hearts of those people. That, you know why? <laughs> because he's increasing his kingdom by peace. <laughs> You've accepted the gospel of peace. And in the increase of his kingdom, of his government, there shall be no end. Because it's by peace. Not by force. The weapons of our warfare, of his warfare, are not of this world. But they're mighty through God. To so the pulling down of strongholds. It's by peace. And then one other... One of the Messianic prophecy we looked at was Malachi chapter 3, and I love this. We saw that it called him the messenger of the covenant. And, and it spoke of the messenger too, which was, it was referring to John the Baptist, and it called him the messenger of the covenant. And we read on about the tithes, and I, you know, it was, it was so interesting to me, because like I said, it wasn't really talking about bringing your money to church. This is about your obedience. So that you could receive the windows of heaven blessing. So much that you won't have room enough to receive. And we saw it in verse 3. It, talk, it says, the only offering he, he accepts is what? Righteousness. Uh, another word for that is what I already said. Obedience. Obedience to Christ, is, you're going to produce righteousness. That's what the Lord is pleased with. He's pleased with Christ, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
And then I said, he'll open up the room, the windows of heaven blessings, so, 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 much room that, so much that you don't have room enough to receive. And I said that Jesus Christ is that blessing, that you alone don't have room enough to receive. Long after our fathers and mothers, my father's gone, and I'm still receiving that blessing. Long after they're gone, he's the window of heaven blessing. Uh, he's the fulfilling of the tithe. This is a prophecy. He fulfilled it. Christ is the fulfilling of the tithe. Understand it. Christ didn't come so you can have a bunch of money. You know, bring, bring all the tithe into his storehouse so that you can have a, a, a bunch of money in your bank account. What did we say last time? He wants righteousness and holiness in your bank account. Those are the zeros that he wants to see. Uh, that's your first fruit. That is your tithe. Uh, the monetary part of your tithe will come with righteousness and holiness. But in order to have that first fruit, you have to have faith. Faith produces your first fruits. But as we see in this season, mankind has turned the incarnation of Christ into something marketable or sellable. So that they can make a tithe off of him. It's faith in Christ that establishes us as Christians. As believers. And if we don't have the faith to stand up for the privilege of being who God has created us to be. Then can we really say that we're celebrating Christmas? The birth of Christ? I'm sorry, of Jesus the Christ? Faith will produce the offering of righteousness that he's looking for. So after looking at all those prophecies, because this is a quick review, after looking at all those prophecies, we went into Luke chapter 1 because we wanted to see how did God bring this to pass. And I hope that you allowed the scriptures to speak to you because all we really did was read the scriptures and we allowed them to speak to us. And to sum it up, let me tell you this again. The reason that it was so important that we went over you know, the, 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 the birth of John the Baptist and everything that his parents went to is because he's the forerunner of, of, of the Christ. He's to usher him in. That's the reason we went through these things. And, and John, who was called from the womb, who was filled from the womb to preach the gospel of peace, he saw it and leaped at the privilege. We saw when, when, he, when, when his mother ran into Mary, and it said, oh, the baby just leaped in the womb. What did I say? That was like, that was like, a, it was like a spiritual death, wasn't it? You had the Holy Ghost and you had Christ in the same room. Everything's going according to plan. Uh, we have the Spirit of God within us, all in the same room. And we were just talking about who are, you won't leave but the opportunity just to get out of bed. Listen, to come, to come feed your family. It was that Minister Martin just said. You won't get out of bed. You, you won't sacrifice, what, an extra 15, 20 minutes of sleep so that your family can forever be changed. So that they can see Christ. So that they can have the windows of heaven blessing open in their life that they don't have room enough to receive. We saw the same thing with Zacharias. He, he, when he started praising God after his mouth was open, it wasn't because I have a child, let me tell you all about it. No, it was because I have a child and I have the privilege of raising this child to be the forerunner of Christ. Raising this child to preach the gospel of peace. Uh, we all have that privilege. We all need to leap at that opportunity.
Remember, Elizabeth was barren. Zacharias and Elizabeth were both old, well stricken in age. But like Minister Hayson said this morning, having God as your priority, that makes all the difference. Now you're positioned to be brought in on his plan. Where you are barren, but my plan says you're not barren. Come on into my plan. Oh, because there's purpose behind it. Because remember in the scriptures, it didn't say anything about, and it may have happened, but it didn't say anything about Elizabeth having any other children or anything like that. But brought into God's plan, she had a child. Who was, to, who was purposed to preach the gospel of peace. See, don't take these things lightly, especially those who have children. There should be purpose around your child from the beginning. Uh, they're not purposed to make all the money in the world. They're not purposed to catch a ball on Sunday or shoot a ball. That's not their purpose. Uh, if, you're, if you're a child of God, if he's your God, and he's an awesome God to you. That's not their purpose. It's a privilege to be a part of his plan. Count it a blessing. So, now we're going to get into the actual birth of Jesus Christ. So let's turn over to Luke chapter 2. And again, I'm going to go to a lot of scriptures today. We're just going to allow them to speak to us. Like I said, I, in my study time, all I was doing was reading and I said I got caught up, ended up reading. That's, that's all you got to do is just allow the scriptures to speak to you because in them are life. It's life. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they hear certain things on Sundays and they're like, oh, that was life-changing word to me. And I, don't, I wonder how they got that revelation. You want to know how they got the revelation? By reading the word. Uh, reading is fundamental. <laughs> but you're not going to get nothing revealed to you without reading the word of God. You're not going to have nothing revealed to you without opening up the Word of God. That's, listen, that's Christianity 101 for you. Pray and read your Bible. And then watch God reveal something. Watch Him work wonders in you. I've been dealing with a lot of people or talking to certain people lately and you know they're having some struggles and I keep telling them, you know, I've told them months and months ago, you need to get in your Word. This is what you need to I've even given them assignments. You need to read this. You need to do that. They come back to me with the same issues, not being able to have the victory. And I said, but did you do the very first thing I told you to do? And guess what the answer is? No. I haven't picked up my Bible and read. I haven't, I haven't read it yet. Because I want some instant fix. Listen, that's the world's method. Which is As soon as the fix is there, it's broken again. And it's broken even worse. So please, pick up your Bibles and read. The scriptures we give you when we say this verse or this verse... That's good. Now go back and read the entire thing. So Luke chapter 2. I'm sorry. Let me get there. I don't know why. Let me go back. Luke chapter 2. Because we are going to read a lot of scriptures today. Allow them to, allow them to minister to you. Luke chapter 2. So now, you know, we've dealt with John the Baptist being born. Now we're going into the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. I, I, oh. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Look at God just setting everything in order. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being with a great child. It's, it's amazing to me, you know. It said there in verse 2, Caesar, you know, they went out a decree from Caesar. This was a decree from God a long time ago. Let me tell you that right now. Caesar might think, oh, I'm setting up this tax to be done for whatever purposes. No. God is making sure that the, the Messianic prophecies, first off, he's going to be born in the city of David. You know, people say, or the Bible says the prophet doesn't come from Nazareth. Well, God said, okay. He's going to the city of David, Bethlehem. He'll be born in Bethlehem. He's setting all these things up, and it's amazing how these How great is the mind of God that he set these things up? That's, that the people that aren't even believers of him are working for him. How great the mind of God. Uh, and this was all done way before their birth. This, is all way, this was done before the foundations of the world. Uh, he knew back then, oh, Caesar Augustus, I'm going to make him do a tax. Because we're going to get the Christ to Bethlehem. This is all God's plan. This is all God's purpose. Just, just in those first few verses alone, you see God's unmatchless power. This wasn't Caesar's idea. It wasn't Caesar's idea. And then you've got to think about it as well, right? Because they had to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So me, myself, I, had to, I, I did use Google here. I had to Google. How long is it walking from Nazareth to Bethlehem? And so it said it was about 95 miles, right? And they said that would be, you know, walking at a good, a good pace, about 35-hour walk. So that's a day and a half of walking. Mind you, they're on a, they're on a, they're on a, uh, a donkey. They have everything that they own. And they're walking, say, like from here to San Antonio. She's pregnant. Uh, that means she's super hungry. <laughs> you got to understand all these things because a lot of the stuff isn't mentioned here, but God is providing through all of this. You got to understand that. <laughs> this is all God's purpose. Uh, provision has been made from the foundation of the world. But they had to walk from Nazareth back to Bethlehem. Keep these things in mind because, you know, we, 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 we think of Christ and we're like, man, you know, he's God. But on this earth, he comes from very humble beginnings. Very humble beginnings. And there's a purpose for that. So let's keep reading here. Let's see. Verse 5. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I love how they, they brought that back to your memory. It's his first, her firstborn son because this is a child conceived. Of, Joseph didn't touch her. This is a child conceived of the Holy Ghost. She had other children, but this is the firstborn. This is Jesus, the Christ. Firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the, in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now that scripture right there should speak to you in itself. 
And this is something I remember my father telling me, right? And I had to do the research myself. The shepherds are in the field watching by night, watching the flock by night because it's not winter time. It's not December. No, no, no. It's, it's, this is the time we choose to celebrate it. But understand this. It's not Christmas time. If you really try to work out the time, you can get it around about. It's, it's more likely around September, October. Late September, early October. Because the, they're in the field. You have to understand that. It's, 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 not, it's not freezing cold like that. You know, you think about they have the animals all in the, on the, the nativity scene and they're around and licking at Christ. You know, they're out in the field. They have the, the drummer board. Listen, Mary would have took that stick and broke it across that boy's head. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't play with no pregnant woman in there. She in there having a baby and you talking about No. It's not flying. So you've got to get over some of these things. These are traditions of men. God has purpose. All these other things that came in, they're nowhere in the Bible. It's okay. Sing your songs. It's fine. Do what you do. But understand these. That's not what Christmas is about. It's not. They were in the field, watching their flock by light, night. And lo, verse 9, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto him, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I love that. To all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. I love how city of, city of David a Savior, comma, which is Christ the Lord. Uh, listen, Christ doesn't need to be born. He always was. The Savior is born, which is and always was Christ the Lord. You should, you should put a little star by verse 11. He is Christ the Lord and has always been, always will be. He's the Messiah, anointed one from everlasting. From birth, Jesus is both Lord and King. I, I want you to know this too. He didn't come to the knowledge of this. He already knew who he was. From the womb. Uh, from everlasting. He didn't have to come to the, We have to come into the knowledge of this. He didn't have to come to the knowledge of that. He always knew who he was. In verse 12. And this, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So, I have to touch on these things too, right? Because you think of a manger. I was talking to my niece, and I was explaining to her a manger. Because, you, you know, in the nativity scene, you see the manger with the hay folded gently to the side, perfectly positioned for the baby. Let me tell you, and this is what I told Layla. I said, that's where animals eat. I said, that's where they slobber. That's where they do all that. Layla to my, ew. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, that's what you have to understand. You see, the world and its traditions come in and they make you believe in another Jesus. Another Christ. Uh, but, but Jesus, the Christ? I'm sorry, another Jesus. There's only one Christ. But the Christ? He came from humble beginnings. In a manger where they ate. Uh, and nobody, listen, they understand when they, when they came to Bethlehem, they were looking for a place. So nobody knew they were coming to that man. They weren't like, let's get this ready for them. No, 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 no. They came to a, they came to a stable. Probably used. Uh, probably all types of smelly things in there. Because uh, let me tell you something. In a stable like that, no matter how hard you, how hard you clean something like that, let me tell you, it's going to smell like something. Not fabuloso. <laughs> Not Clorox. No. 
It's going to smell like something. See, these are the humble beginnings of our sins. Then it said they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. This, this, this ministered to me. See, because you, you're thinking about it, right? They, they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem with everything they had. Now, we know what it means to swaddle a baby, but listen, swaddling clothes in this instance, it, it, you have to understand, these are probably torn and tattered garments. And to me, this, this, this truly represents him taking on the form of man. It, it truly represents that. It shows us what Christ came to do in the literal meaning of the word. He formed himself. He fashioned himself as a man. It also foreshadowed to me the innocent lamb, innocent lamb slain from the fountain. He's, he's lying there as a baby. He's no longer a baby. But he's lying there in a baby and he's torn and tattered clothes. To me that represents the sin of this world. The innocent one laying wrapped in these clothes. He is Lord. He is King. He is the messenger of the covenant. He knows just who he is from the womb. How patient and humble he was. I'm going to tell you, if we were God, mm, I need a five-star hotel. Uh, I need room service. I need clean sheets. I need hot water. I need this. That's not what he came to do. He didn't come to please his flesh. We have to fully understand what Christ, what Christ came to do and who he is. Just for our redemption, he humbled himself as the son of man. And yet he's the son of God. Being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, to talk about the incarnation of Christ, you have to talk about his life and you have to talk about what he came to do and that's to die for you. You have to talk. Uh, people just, you know, you think about the birth of Jesus Christ and you think about a baby in a manger, but you have to look at the life and how he walked. Because that's all a part of, of a redemption for you. You have to think about it. Because the way he lived his life, God is well pleased. That's the only, that's, he was the one who knew no sin. That's how you were redeemed. That's how I was redeemed. You have to look at his life. You have to look at what he came. You have to look at his death. He came to live and to die for you. Uh, he came to live and to die for you. Get that down in your head. He came to live for you too. So you could learn how to live. Uh, so you could know that the Father sent him. So I want to look at one more Old Testament prophecy here before we move on into his life. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7. And I've been waiting to get here since I first started. I almost started with this, but let's, get, let's, go, let's go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. And I'm just going to read verse 13 through 14. <clears throat> And this is Daniel who had a vision. So let me read it here. Are we all there? Amen. Verse 13. And it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. Uh, wow. What kind of vision is that? Listen. Uh, one like the Son of Man. So let me tell you what. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
Verse 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now, it's so amazing because it said Daniel had a vision of the Son of Man. And looking all over the Bible, I don't see anybody else named the Son of Man. Okay, Ezekiel says Son of Man, right? But I said the Son of Man. Because they call him Son of Man in Ezekiel, and, and, and that's fine, but the Son of Man... It refers to Christ alone. See, Jesus was conceived of the Spirit of God as the Son of Man, showing His humanity. And that's an, that's an important emphasis on the Scripture. And on the face of it, you see Son of Man, it's, it's an ordinary phrase. You know what it means? Human being. That's what it means. He was born of a man. And, and I say man. Understand I'm saying mankind. He was born. He's the seed of the woman. Okay? And there's no offense there. Who in this room isn't a son of man? I I didn't say the son of man. A son of man. But those who all had the ear to hear. Because let me tell you something. These these things, the Pharisees knew these things too. Uh, But those who had the ear to hear, they could hear Daniel 7. Which he was, the son of man has an exalted role. Not like a son of man. The Son of Man has an exalted, and he was purposed to do it. Listen, Jesus the Christ, understanding time and dispensations and the will of the Father, he was very subtle in that he was always opening his identity to those who had eyes to see it. However, he had to steer a very narrow course in disclosing his identity. Not just openly saying, I'm the king, come acknowledge me as king. He didn't talk like that. He didn't. He was quiet, he was subtle. He was meek. He was humble. That's, listen, that's our king. Remember, his kingdom, it's, 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 it's increasing by peace. He would make claims that were explicit in certain settings and implicit in others. And only when the time was right, because he understood dispensations and seasons, mainly when he was on trial for his life, and they asked him, are you Christ the Son of God? Then he said, I am. I'm the Son of God. Oh, because you can find the Son of Man all throughout the New Testament. But when he says, I am the Son of God, let me tell you something. Very few. Like I said, he was explicit and implicit in some. But here on trial, when he was on trial for his life, he said it, I am. And you'll see the Son of Man coming with great power and glory. He, he confessed his, his open deity there because he knew he would be crucified for it then. He understood his dismissal. That's why he had to walk that narrow course. If you do a study of the term son of man, because I did in my study time, you'll see, like I said, he, for the most part, he didn't refer to himself as son of God. He referred to himself as son of man. Like in Mark, he said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as ransom for many. So he calls himself the son of man. Very often. So, let's actually get into his life now. Let's see what the Son of Man came to do. How did he serve? Let's take a look at the life of Christ. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 9. And let me tell you, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
That's what we're getting to. That's what he came to do. So let's get to Matthew chapter 9. And I can't do anything but smile because I had studied this a while ago and I came, I walked into, uh, what was it, um, New Members last week. And Minister Spence was right here on this scripture and I just smiled to myself because we're going there again right now. Matthew chapter 9 and I'm going to read verses 10 through 17. And we need to be here. This is very good. 9 verses 10 through 17. And let me give you a little bit of background here. What's going on here is that Jesus has just told Matthew. And if, if you look in the other Gospels, this, is, this, this instance is in the, a lot of the, the other Gospels. They call him Levi. They're talking about Matthew. And he's telling him to follow him. And so Matthew has thrown a party, if you will, at his house and invited all of his friends. He's invited, because Matthew was a tax collector. So he had tax collector friends. So he's invited his friends because, the reason he's invited his friends is because this, he's saying, the word from this man has changed my life, and I wanted to change your life. So here we are, Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to start at verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, there at Matthew's house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Oof. Okay, let me keep going. Because that just ministered to me all over again. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master and publicans with, with publicans and sinners? It, it's so funny to me, right? Go ask Jesus. He's right there. No, I'm going to go to the disciples. Oh, but Jesus heard it. Let's keep going. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, he's sitting with the sinners, right? We're talking about the life of Jesus the Christ. And he says, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy here means you need to quit acting like your poop don't stink. Why you think you're so holier than thou? You can do no wrong. But it could be very well be you in the same predicament. You know what else mercy means here? Kindness. Oh, we've been learning about kindness since the fast and going forward. Kindness. Uh, let's take it back even further. What a pastor tell us a while back. This is kindness. You see the distress and you respond. Uh, because your lack of response can lead to someone else's despair. It can lead to someone else's helplessness. Jesus is sitting with the sinners and we have problems with just sitting with people who aren't our own race. Let alone someone whose heart you are judging with a beam in your own eye. Can you imagine yourself eating with a table full of homosexuals, murderers, backstabbers, liars, cheaters, deceivers, uh, publicans, tax collectors, whoremongers, harlots, thieves, sinners? Uh, let me help you. Such were some of you. Somebody had to sit at the table with you. 
and show you Christ. He said, I would have mercy, not sacrifice. He shows them right away and then says, I didn't come to call the righteous. Uh, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I didn't come to call the righteous. Uh, Repent. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. See, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were only there to judge and condemn. That was their whole, that was their whole purpose. That's why, they, that's why they came in. Why is he sitting with the sinners? Uh, because the sinners need to be set. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And then they got irritated with this kindness, right? Why are you sitting with them? Why are you showing them your your kindness, your patience? Why are you humbling yourself just to sit with these sinners? Let me tell you, if kindness irritates you, you have another motive. And it's not God's purpose. He came to seek and save the lost. So I'm going to go ahead and go there. Now last week, Minister Haston had to address some issues that came up with the etiquette training that we're going to have. And all types of excuses come up. I can't sit with this person because we have a history and this didn't happen. This or that didn't happen. I don't like them, whatever, what, 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 whatever happened. Did you know that everybody that signed up for that etiquette training is part of the body of Christ? You know, the ones that you can't sit with, they're believers. That means the one that you can't stand to sit with or you have history with, guess what? You'll see him in heaven. Are you going to go to God and say, God, I, I really can't be here with them because I have some history? Well, there's another place. Our brother Hill, it's not that serious. I agree. It's not that serious that you can't sit with somebody for, for purpose sake. I don't want anybody to get offended. I really don't. This, this is truly out of love. But we have some immature believers in here. And all that means, because I don't want to offend nobody, is that we need to grow together. All of us need to grow together. This is God's purpose. This is His design. Right here? This is what Christ came and made the church. Your purpose to be with everybody in this room. Don't allow your feelings and your hang-ups and things like that to get in the way of purpose. Because then you'll never be who God has called you to be. We saw Jesus sat with the sinners. We need everybody to be sold out. This is why, and we said the sinners because we're in here, we're not sinners, right? Yeah, but, and I heard Minister Martin, he came out of Matthew 10 with this, our kindness must first go to our brethren. Go not to the Gentiles first, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Charity starts at home. Kindness starts at home. 
It's, it's amazing how the flesh gets you to think that God's words only applies to certain individuals. You know, the ones that don't get on your flesh's nerves. Then his then it's, then it's word applies. That's amazing to me. But the ones your flesh don't like, his word doesn't apply to that. This is why we should be very careful knowing somebody after the flesh. Remember how we, how we all came together here. It's through fellowship around Christ. That's, listen, never get off that point. You're talking about we have history, yeah, but go back to how we came together. They've done this wrong to me. I've done that. Come back. Bring it back. Reel yourself in. We were brought together around Christ. What he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. So judgment starts in the house of God first. We are under his grace, we are under his mercy, uh, but don't act like you have time to get it right. Don't think you could take your time on getting it right. I wasn't going to go here, but let's go to Matthew. I told you I read all through Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 24. I'm going to read... Verse 42. And I'll probably read... I think I need to go to the end of that chapter. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Uh, Listen, this is our house. I, I would not that our house be broken up over some petty differences. Verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give him the meat in due season. Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servant, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. It's it's so amazing to me that he used that analogy of those that wasn't waiting for him. He says he begins to smite his fellow servants. See, if you can't sit with your brother, the brethren, you forget, you, you're smiting your fellow servant. Are you ready for the Lord? Are you ready for his coming? Because I know it says love your enemies. Uh, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. But he that loveth not, no, it's not, not God. For God is love. Are you ready for... Uh, I received the windows of heaven blessing right now because I know he's coming. Are you ready for that? You don't have time to get it right. Now's the time to deal with your hang-ups. Especially with your brethren in this house. There's no... 
If you can't deal with hang-ups with your brethren, how are you going to deal with hang-ups with the sinners? How are you going to be able to sit with the sinners? Don't procrastinate. Uh, Procrastination is not a tool of the mature. It's the season for kindness. How, How long is that season for the rest of your life? When you've seen the kindness of the Lord, it should have affected you for the rest of your life. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to see what God says about loving your enemies. I remember in Matthew 5, you know, we were talking about the Beatitudes earlier this year. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That merciful is talking about kindness as well. Let's turn to Matthew 5. And I'm going to read verses 43 through 48. And this is Jesus himself. And if you have a Bible like mine, there's a little header that says, Teaching on Loving One's Enemies. Right above verse 43. This is Jesus teaching. And it's it's so amazing to me because he's teaching, but then he shows you how to love one's enemy like he did when he sat with the sinners. It's a, he's not just about this. He's not talk. He's not all talk. Because when he talks, it comes to pass. So verse 43. And it says, Ye have heard that it had been said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Uh, let me tell you, that that they had heard, this comes from the scribes and Pharisees who've added human human things to them. Because there's nowhere in God's word that it says, love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, verse 44, oh, but I say unto you, who's saying? Jesus says. The great reconciler says. Uh, the gospel. The prince of peace. The one whose kingdom will increase by peace. He says. Love your enemies. Why Why do I have to love my enemies? Because a lack of love toward your enemies leads to bitterness. When you hold something inside, you become bitter and sour and spoiled. And then guess what? Bitterness breeds more bitterness. When you react to somebody with bitterness, guess what? You're not going to get sweetness out of them. You're going to get more bitterness back to you. He wants to get to the root of bitterness. I can tell you for certain, if you combat bitterness with bitterness, you have no chance. But let's try what the Master said. Try loving your enemies. Let's try kindness. And it says, Bless them that curse you. Now this, for today, is talking about the words you're using. It's talking about the words you say. Speak good about them and to them. Uh, It doesn't say curse them back. Some of us wish ill on people and you curse them with a nasty tongue. And not only that, you have a foul mouth using it too. You, have, you cuss, literally. Cursing. Would you curse like that if Christ was physically here? Uh, check your faith. Uh, Christ spoke in parables, not profanity. Check your faith. Blessed that means, even if, even 
Even if you see them and you're not with them, you need to don't speak an ill word about them to them or behind their back. If you have to say something behind their back, let me admonish you. Find the best thing about them and say that about them. In the midst of your anger, in the midst of all that you're feeling, find what's commendable about them and commend it. Uh, that's kindness. Don't get messy. Don't try to draw anybody else into your mess. Uh, let me tell you what they did to me. That's not kind. Don't get to where you're by yourself. and Not, not even to the ones that you think are your close. I'm just going to tell my wife. I'm just going to tell my, my, my husband. No, no, no. Speak good to them. About them. To your wife or your husband. Uh, the ones that seen them do you wrong. Then it says, do good to them that hate you. It doesn't just say, think good thoughts. Like Peter Pan, think happy thoughts so you can fly. No. It don't flow like that. It says, do good to them. I, I know it seems hard. But Christ did it. And we're going to see that shortly. Christ did it. Know this, you're never going to overcome evil with evil. Evil and evil begets more evil. But you can overcome evil with kindness. Have you tried that? With goodness and kindness. Uh, doing good to them doesn't just mean that specific person. You got a problem with somebody? Go do good to their family. Go bless their family. Oh, that's doing good. Show them love and show them God's love and kindness and goodness in any way possible. Even if they won't hear from you, go to their family. A purpose to do good to their name. Like I said, say something. find what's commendable about them. If you have to say anything, say that. Then it says, pray for them that despitefully use you. This is a simple question. Do you pray for those that hate you? That's a simple question because nine times out of ten you're going to say nope. You may act like you do, but let's keep it real. I don't mean... Lord, give me the strength to deal with whoever because they're on my nerves. No, that's for you. That's a prayer for you. Uh, pray that they, that they never fare bad because of something they did to you. Pray that they can find a way to be at peace with you through the kindness of the Lord. Why? Because verse 45 that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. We call ourselves a child of God. Uh, but, so let me, who I got in here? Let's take Sarah Eberhardt. You look at her and you say, 
oh, she's brother and sister Eberhard's child because you see the features. Are you God's child? Do I see the features of kindness from you? Uh, God's kindness is everlasting. His mercies are new every day. Uh, as long as you accept Christ, he's not holding nothing against you. But we can't sit at etiquette training. You have the purpose to look like, like God. You got a purpose to be kind. Uh, it's not easy. You got a purpose to be. Let's turn to Proverbs because it's funny. When I was getting on kindness, you know, I had to look these things up. Uh, and we're going to see what kindness, what kindness affords you. Proverbs chapter 21. Ooh, that time is running. And we're still on life, and it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get to his, his death. But you know what? We got plenty of Sundays left, don't we? Just keep coming. Proverbs, chapter 21. I'm going to read one verse for you. Verse 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. Now, just for my purpose of connecting knowledge, I had to look into that word mercy here in this verse. Guess what it means? Kindness. <laughs> it means kindness. He that followeth after righteousness and kindness findeth life. Find his righteousness and honor. Now, now God honoring you is more than enough. Because he honors you with eternal life. But he's also referring to honor from man, too. You, you remember, I guess it was earlier this year, maybe late last year, but pastor was talking about not experiencing a second death. Y'all remember that? Where no one remembers you and you haven't left a deposit, a deposit or anything. This is easily combated. You know what it's combated with? Kindness. Let me tell you this. A righteous and a kind heart is unforgettable. I said a righteous and a kind heart. Not just a righteous one, because you can get self-righteous sometimes. Not just a kind one. A righteous and a kind heart is unforgettable. It findeth life. You know, it's funny when you think of Christ, right? The river that flows from the throne and the Lamb of God. And it springs up into everlasting life. You think of a spring of water, right? You have a person standing on a spring of water. They're going to get the majority of that water when it comes up. But anybody around? Because when that spring springs up, anybody around, they're getting wet. That's the spring of life springing up. That's what Christ has done. This is why Christ is the blessing that you don't have room enough to receive on your own. Your smallest act of kindness may be a life, life changer for another. And in turn, it would be a life changer for their, that, that person's family. Just your smallest act of... That, that's life springing up. You should always be willing to lend a kind hand, a hand towards God's purpose. Why? Because for that individual, you may be the only one that's going to show him Christ's kindness. Why are you talking about, I have a history, I can't sit with them. I don't like this person. But we have purpose behind it. God's purpose. That trumps it all. I, I, like I said earlier, it's not, it's not going to always be easy, but 
That's when your faith comes in. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Christ came to sit with the sinner. See, we need to, we need to listen with an ear to hear. He's not Son of Man. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. We have to, we have to listen with a heart willing to understand. We have to let His Word change us. We not wanting to see a sign from God all around you when you should be the sign. Your faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You should be the sign. Some of us need to remember He is the Christ. From the beginning, He's Lord and King. And it's all about the increase of His kingdom by peace. By peace. Now don't get me wrong, there's a difference with sitting sitting with the sinners as Jesus did and being unequally yoked. There's a big difference. Keep purpose on your mind, okay? His plan was redemption. That's why He came. Keep purpose on your mind. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. That which you sow, you shall also reap. Don't try and play God. Don't try to use your Christian liberties as an occasion to the flesh. Do not offend the gospel. We have to obey Christ, even to the death of ourselves. Uh, deny ourselves, take up your cross and follow him. Learn to be adaptable, acceptable, accessible, especially to the brethren. Not coming up with your little bitty excuses about your history or things or whatever didn't happen. Don't bring that to God when you get to heaven, please. Because he might just say, away from me, I never knew you, ye who worketh iniquity. He came to redeem man with kindness. He was born to do this. He lived for this. He died for this. So with these last ten minutes, we're going to get into the events surrounding his death. We may not get all the way up to his death, but we're going to get to that. Let's turn to Matthew 26. I've been in Matthew. You can tell I read Matthew, right? Matthew 26. And I'm going to start at verse 46. And I'm going to read through 56. But here's the deal. See, because the Gospels, I told you this before, there's a harmony between the Gospels. So when I get to a certain point in Matthew, I'm going to hop over to Luke. And it's the same instance, but there's some things in Luke that weren't mentioned in Matthew. So I have to go there. And then when I get there, I'm going to hop over to Mark. Because <laughs> there's some things in Mark that wasn't mentioned in Matthew and in Luke. And that's the harmony of the Gospels. But we'll get there. So Matthew 26, verse 46. Let me get there. And this is Jesus after he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the prayer is over, verse 46, and he's saying, Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve came. Now this, I believe is really important here that it mentions 
not only Judas, but it says that he's one of the twelve. See, because Judas was close to Jesus. And it, it was so good to me this morning. Minister Haston went to, you know, he talked about Job and how the first person that, that started coming at him was the closest one to him. His wife. This is important because Judas can't be Judas without being someone that's close to you. So why why does there always have to be a Judas? Because there has to be an example of what not to be when Christ is here. You know, to have a form of godliness, but to deny the power thereof. There's going to be a Judas in your life. Uh, you know, one who this this one, he, Judas, he walked with Christ side by side. Uh, walked with the Christ, the Son of God, side by side, and turned from him. Uh, struggles and trials are only struggles and t- trials when they matter to you. That's why there's always going to be a Judas. There's always going to be struggle, struggles and trials because guess what? You need to you need to work your faith. Which in turn works your patience and your endurance. So let me keep reading here. Because I only read like three words, right? Let me see. Verse 46. Or I'm sorry, 47. And while he had spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of, pe- of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying whomsoever I shall kiss that same is he hold him fast now it's so amazing to me right he's close to Jesus and a kiss especially in these times are only shared by those that are really close to you and he used it to betray him enough said let's go over to Luke 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 chapter 22 because here's the part that I want to get to actually no not just yet I'm sorry let me finish reading here and Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And I'm in verse 50. Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Now let's go over to Luke 22. Put your, put your marker in Matthew because I believe we're going to come back here. Luke 22. And I'm going to verse 50. Actually, let me start at 49. Or 48. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they, when they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. This is Peter. He smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Okay? And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye this far? He's telling them, You know what I came to do. You know what this is about. Uh, Jesus told him about his death. They've read the prophecies. You know what this is about. And he touched his ear and healed him. Ooh! Remember I told you we were going to see what Jesus does later? They're there to kill him. And he reached out and still healed his ear. (laughs) You talk about kindness. In the midst of the trouble, if you just trust God and keep purpose on your mind, healing and restoration can happen. In the midst of your trouble. Right there in the midst. 
Remember, his kingdom is established by peace. The Bible doesn't say what's happened to this man from there going forward, but I like to think he probably went and changed his life. Healing and restoration happened. Like I said earlier, listen, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations. In the midst of our disagreements, or our history, or our dislikes, if we could keep his will and purpose on our mind, then maybe some of your relationships can be restored. You know, the ones that you're like, well, I can't sit with them. Uh, Keep purpose on mind. Maybe some of your relationships can be healed. And it's amazing to me, right? If you read this account in the other Gospels, that's why I came to, to Luke. It doesn't say anywhere else that the ear was healed. That spoke to me in and of itself. You, you may not get to see the results of your kindness. You may not get to see that someone's been healed or restored. But it doesn't matter if you see it. This is why we must be so careful how we treat each other. And the ones that we call our enemies. Because Christ says to love your enemies. Uh, He says it, then he did it. He says to love your enemies. Not only in word, but in action. So amazing to me. He was on his way to be put to death. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That, that's the thought that you need to have. Oh, Christ was purposed from the foundation of the world. There was no deterring him. Uh, that's the resolve you need to have. Uh, there's nothing that you can do that could pull me away from God's purpose. If it is, it's sin for you. Brother Isaac, sometimes being kind like that just doesn't pay off. Tell me about it. They killed Jesus. Deny self, take up your cross, and follow him. He came to redeem, not condemn. The Pharisees came to condemn. He came to heal, not to destroy. Let's finish in Matthew 26 with this. Matthew 26. And I'm going to read verse 52 through 54, and we're going to close with this. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Uh, that, that, you, want to, you, want to, you want to react out of your, your anger or something that's happened in the past? That's what you'll perish by. But they that have righteousness and kindness findeth life. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father and he will presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Listen, don't you know that I'm the Son of God? If I wanted to, if this was, if I, if I was to go against purpose, I could call down anybody, right? It could be done. But I'm here to increase my kingdom by peace. So I'm going to heal this man's ear and I'm going to go about my purpose. This is what, this is what Christ came to do. Like I said, he was born... Jesus Christ was born for you. Jesus Christ lived for you. And Jesus Christ died for you. He was raised for you. 
tenha te feito. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.